Hey, bookworms. Welcome to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. I am so glad you are here. I am the Picky Bookworm, and I love bringing recognition to indie and self-published books through book reviews, proofreading, and podcasting. Every Saturday, I get to talk to a member of the writing community, from book bloggers to authors and even other podcasters like myself. I'll include a link to my website where you can leave a comment with your thoughts on the show or questions for the author that I may not have gotten to. You can also find information on how to sponsor this podcast. Ready? Grab your tea, wine, or laundry, and let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Picky Bookworm Podcast. Today's episode is just a little bit later than normal, um, but I am super excited to have my guest today. Jamie Jackson is on the show today. She is the author of Fear and Fury, Torment and Tarnish. And we're going to mention the third book. I'm going to have to ask her because I don't remember the name of it. So, um, but I'm super excited to read it. Um, So we're going to talk about her books and her writing process and all kinds of super fun stuff. And um, if you remember back a couple of months ago, the Golden Girls bonus book review or book club podcast episode, we actually discussed her book, Fear and Fury. So go back, listen to that episode and come and enjoy my chat with Jamie Jackson. Grab your tea, grab your wine, grab your laundry, Caroline. We're going to get started. (laughs) Jamie, what is up? I am so excited to have you on the show today. Um, I absolutely loved Fear and Fury. Absolutely loved it. Um, Our golden girl, um, Lacey, recommended it to the book club uh, because she um, had been friends with you for a while and she had read the Mm -hmm. book and, and absolutely loved it. And so she recommended it for the book club and... Um, if you remember from that episode that we recorded, when I heard the words, Meg is like Deadpool, I, I cringed and I died <laughs> just a little bit inside because it was my fear that, uh-huh. okay, she's like Deadpool. I, I hated Deadpool. So I was, I was so scared that I was going to dislike Meg because she was like Deadpool. And, uh, and I'm probably bring on the hate you guys. I really don't care. My husband doesn't even understand why I hate Deadpool. I can't <laughs> freaking stand that movie. I wouldn't even see the first one. Um, went, not the first one, the second one, uh, went to see Ooh. the first one with a friend of mine and literally sat in the car on the way home. And I'm like, yeah, that's two hours. I'm never going to get back. I hated it so much. So, so yeah, I mean, when, you know, there's this book that you're like, yeah, the main character's like Deadpool. I I did. I died a little bit inside because I'm like, yeah, okay. So I'm not going to like the book. This is great. But, but dear, wonderful listeners, I, I need you to understand this. She is fantastic the main character meg in jamie's series of books she is fantastic she is snarky she is like bold and just yeah just absolutely wonderful um 
she has a foul mouth like Deadpool, but mm-hmm. that's, yeah. for, for me, that's kind of where the similarity ended. So yeah, I absolutely loved your, your series of books, went and bought book two, I think within minutes of finishing book one, um, had to make myself wait, uh, to read it until after we recorded our book club episode. Um, I learned that lesson from, um, uh, Kay Thomas's, uh, not right now books, uh, time yeah. to make a series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, you read the second one ahead of time and you were like, I can't. Spoilers. I was actually, I was actually giving spoilers without realizing it because I had the two books so meshed in my head that they were bleeding into each other. And so I'm like mentioning stuff and I'm like, yeah, this, you know, I don't think this is a spoiler. And they're like, yeah, that's book two. And I'm like, "Hmm." So, uh, so yeah, I had, I had to make myself wait, but, um, our, uh, friend Katie, um, she was the same way. She had like torment and tarnish. It was sitting in her Kindle waiting. And we were both like, okay, soon as we're done recording this episode, we are reading torment and tarnish. And I think we both finished it in like two days. So awesome. yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So now that I have, you know, gushed for four, four and a half minutes on your book. I, let's... Totally cool <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, but I got to let you talk too. I mean, cause this, yeah, this is not the, the Pam show. This is the Pam and Jamie show at the moment. So um, real quick, give us just a little bit of your history. What inspired you to start writing? When did you start writing? And what gave you the idea for Meg and what made you decide to describe her as Deadpool, but funner? Okay. Um, so when I started writing, technically started writing in like elementary school, I always knew that I wanted to be a writer, um, went to school for English with a focus in, um, well, concentration and creative writing and then graduated and basically took like 10 plus years off from writing and then of course you know the thing we're not supposed to talk about because it'll get us um you know muted (laughs) the one Um, the one thing that happened to everybody around the world and inspired thousands of people to start writing yeah (laughs) um so you know i was at home all the time homeschooling my kids basically because uh everything had to be done virtually and so I didn't have anything left for me to be like mine. And so I basically decided when January rolled around that I was going to get back into writing. And so I sat down and wrote a couple things um, just for like practice, essentially, and then started writing Meg's story. And that's how that ended up coming around. Um, and I think it took me about three weeks or so to write the first draft because it was just like feverish. Wow. Okay. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. And, you know, the, the first draft was maybe 40,000 words. So it wasn't like super long at that point. Um, and it just kind of built up from there. And I actually started writing the second book before I was done with editing for the first book. So they just kind of um, snowballed essentially uh so for the the part where she's like deadpool but funner um she's like deadpool in that she's got that sarcastic sense of humor 
it's the fourth wall breaking um, that she does uh, and when she directly addresses the reader. And then the funner is because she's basically like if Deadpool and um, Elle Woods from Legally Blonde had a baby, that would be Meg. <laughs> you know, I I can actually completely see that. I I can to yeah, I can totally see that. Um, I don't. Meg is not blonde though, is she? No, she is okay. not. It's okay. it's more Elle Woods' attitude. Like you kind of put a challenge in front of her at one point and she says, well, screw you, I'm going to do it. My, so. my favorite, um, my favorite part of the, the first legally blonde movie. Um, and I can, I can really see Meg saying something like this is when Warner is like, you got into Harvard and she goes, what? what? Like, like it's hard. <laughs> I, that's something that I, yeah, I, I totally see what you mean about Deadpool and, and Elle Woods, because that's really something that I can see Meg saying mm -hmm. is, you know, it's like, she does something that most people would consider impossible. And she's like, what? Like it's hard. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I love the, the parts in the book. Um, and I think that's really what got me hooked to the story was her addressing the reader and she's you know she'll say something like oh you know you were thinking it you know yeah. and you can just kind of hear that attitude and that in that written word on the page it's you know you, you hear it and <clears throat> as soon as you do you're like oh yeah I can totally be friends with this chick so let's move on and you know and it starts within like the first like what page or two when she just like starts addressing the reader and so it's almost immediate that you're like yeah. oh yeah we're we're gonna have fun with this with meg so um yeah i i definitely need lots of people to buy this book um actually buy the whole series because i know book three is going to be just as good as book one and book two um so <laughs> when what did you think about um when we were discussing in the Golden Girls uh, book club episode about actors that can play the various characters, what did you think about our choosing Chris Evans to play Greg? <laughs> I mean, I, I thought, honestly, I thought that was a really good choice. He's definitely all-American looking overall. Um, unfortunately for Chris Evans, he's going to have to wear contact lenses because Greg has brown eyes. Um <gasps> Yeah, and and I know that <laughs> that that's important to me that you know some some character features show up in yeah. the movie. But yeah, yeah, I think I think overall he'd be a great fit in in terms of how Greg looks. So, um, okay, so tell us just a little bit um, about because I know you said you wrote the first draft for fear and fury in three weeks congratulations i mean a lot of authors that they're like yeah it took me 10 years to write this book um so what what was that process like and how how did you manage to get this first draft out in three weeks i mean homeschooling kids during a lockdown yeah. during you know 
so basically I was doing it in writing sprints. Um, I would get the kids set up with their class. Um, so they'd be sitting, you know, with their virtual teacher and, and doing whatever they were supposed to be doing with her. And I'd be coming in, well, first I'd be getting up at five in the morning so I could write before the kids were even up. Um, and then after they were up, they'd sit down in class. I'd have them set up. They would start class. I would come in, do a sprint, come back out to check on them, come in, do a sprint, and just back and forth, back and forth um, between classes and when they had to have my actual assistance and when I was trying to do chores and things. So when I say it was basically feverish writing, I'm not kidding. That was just very focused writing. And um, I don't think it's necessarily the best way <laughs> to do it for everybody. Probably not the most physically it. healthy way to do yeah, it. Yeah, not necessarily <laughs> the most physically or mentally healthy way to do it. But it was a story that I had to get out. Um, and I would say that since I've gotten so far into her series that my overall writing has slowed to a somewhat more, you know, um, maintainable pace overall. So, yeah. Um, okay. So what your, uh, your series is, and I say this about probably every single indie book ever created ever. Um, but your series is super, super unique. Um, what if somebody like read your book or what kind of series and what kind of books would you say, okay, if you like these series, if you like these types of characters in, in this book, you'll like mine. I, we, I try not to, to pull that comparison too much, but I kind of just want to yeah. give, give people an idea of, um, maybe the, the type of story that your book is so that they'll have a better idea ahead of time, whether it's one that they should buy, which I think they should anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. Like comps, comps I think are hard just because I haven't, haven't read as many like superhero based stories, um, in urban fantasy. Uh, maybe, maybe some of, Craig Schaefer's stuff because he's got some morally gray characters who are just kind of doing their thing outside of the law. And um, some of my characters are, are similar to that and they just kind of choose to do what they're going to do um, to protect other people. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I, like <laughs> I will say, I will say to the listeners, we just finished episode three of season three. It is nothing like the boys. <laughs> like the boys. Um, I, um, you know, speaking of, speaking of superhero stories, um, you know, yours is, you know, again, it's, it's super unique and I, I get the, um, you know, not really wanting to compare it to other stories. It's, it's hard to, because it's, it's like, well, if I say I'm like this, am I being overly, you know, egotistical because I've compared it to this writer right? or, you know, how similar is it to this other writer's stuff? So it, it tends to be easier to say, if you like superheroes, if you like morally gray characters, well, there, um, yeah, there you go. That's, yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Like action and adventure kind of stuff. 
you'll probably like this uh, mythology retelling, which does um, really hit the ground running a lot harder when you start book three. Oh, nice. So, okay, yeah. that makes me happy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, um, you know, when I when I write book reviews, I um, I try really hard not to say you know, this book is, is like this book, or this book is like this book. Um, you know, my, you know, if I'm going to tell somebody something, you know, I'll be like, okay, if you like this author's writing style, or if you like the, uh, the way that this author has built up characters, um, you know, then you'll like this author's writing style because, you know, while they are different, obviously every author's style is very, very different. Um, you know, you can still draw those those similarities while still keeping that unique perspective on those separate books, if that makes sense at all. Because, um, yeah, I, I will never um, draw that comparison of, yeah, this book is better than this book. Um you know, if you hated this book, then you're going to love this book because it's better. You know, those those kinds of comparisons, you'll never hear me draw those. Um, yeah, no. I, I think the, um, and you will heart, you'll rarely hear me talk like negatively about a book just in general. I mean, it's, I think they're the last one that I mentioned um, on Twitter was Ninth House. Um, because there was a, a particular scene in the book that it was it was bad, and yeah. I felt that it deserved a trigger warning, and I didn't get one, mm-hmm. and that bothered me. So it wasn't, you know, I wasn't saying the book is bad. I wasn't saying the story is bad. I wasn't saying the writing was bad, but that was something that I personally couldn't get past. Yeah, you know, and so you know, and I would never tell somebody else, "Don't read this book." I'm just like, if you have like, if you're on the fence about it, I'm gonna tell you this because that's gonna help you make a better decision, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, so, um, what, what are your favorite writing tools, um, like? any type of music that you prefer, any type of atmosphere, any type of type of ambiance, what is your favorite way to get into that writing mood? So most of the music that I listen to tends to be metal. Nice. Um, yeah. So it tends to be metal, but there's also like, um, other, other genres in there. Um, especially with like, uh, genre blends, like when they do pop songs with metal covers, I love those. Um, uh, Panic at the Disco. I love them. Uh, Sam Tenez. I like his stuff. Tom Morello. Just uh, Big Data is uh, a band that my husband introduced me to. So I tend to listen to a lot of of different things. Um, but metal is generally my go-to. Uh, other than that, it's coffee or bubble gum. <laughs> While I sit there and type, yeah. Do you ever do you gum. ever do coffee and bubblegum? <laughs> I have not made that mistake yet. I'm sure one day I will. That that I will end up <laughs> end up regretting that one. I yeah, I when I was younger, there was, you know, when I was in high school, um 
gum was looked like the thing. I mean, you, mm-hmm. I, people were constantly asking, hey, do you have any gum? Hey, you know, and I was the weirdo that someone would ask me, can I borrow a piece of gum? And I would look them square in the eye and say, yes, but I want it back when you're done. <laughs> and they're like, and of course I would get those looks of, ew. Yeah. And I'm like, you asked to borrow it. You didn't ask if you could have it. So yeah, I was that girl <laughs> in school. Um, but I, I remember multiple times I would have like a piece of gum and it would have lost its flavor. You know, you, you chew gum for, you know, a certain amount of time and it loses its flavor. And then I would drink something hot um, and it would like melt the gum like in your mouth and it would yeah. give it that weird texture. So yeah, yeah I, I can totally, I, you have my sympathies for when that happens, uh, completely yeah. and totally. Um, <laughs> it's, it's likely to happen eventually. Um, hope, and it'll know. probably be cold coffee, unfortunately, because it'll be like that cup that I forgot I had. <laughs> that happens to me all the time. Yeah. Um, and my, my husband grosses out cause I'm like, you know, I'm just going to drink it cold. And my husband's like, yeah, if it were me, I'd be sticking it in the microwave. And I'm like, yeah. I don't want, I don't want to get up. I'm at my desk. I'm comfortable. <laughs> um, so cause I mean, I, um, you know, I get up during the week, I, I get up and I sit down at my desk and I log into um, my work computer. And then I log into my home computer and I sit there and I have them like separate, you know, home computers, like for picky bookworm stuff and then work computers for when I need to do stuff for that. And so I like have both of them open and, you know, of course you get busy doing stuff and your coffee gets mm-hmm. cold. It happens yeah. all the time. So and you go and you take a sip and you're like, ah, oh. and then you yeah. have to decide, do I want to get up and heat it up or do I just want to drink cold coffee? So, yeah. And and 75% of the time it's drink cold coffee. Um, Because, yeah, I just, I mean, I'm just usually comfortable. I'm like, I got my feet up and I've got, you know, everything situated. And, yeah, I just don't want to get up. So I, I usually drink it cold and it grosses my husband out. He's like, yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> um, But if I'm not working, if I'm, like, sitting on the couch, then... I like have it in my hands. And so then I drink it and it's gone before it gets cold. Um, but yeah, if I'm, if I'm working, totally get it. Um, but yes, for when that happens, you're going to have to let me know, um, when it has, yeah. when it has happened. Cause it's bound to eventually. <laughs> eventually. Yeah. Um, so let me think, uh, I, what, what is your favorite writing tool? Um, other than other than music, uh, do you just sit down and type into Word, or I sit down and I type into Word, um, and that's that's almost exclusively what I do. Except if I'm out running errands or you know doing stuff with the kids, if I have a thought, I use the Notes app on my phone. I've done it where I've used voice to text um, and sent myself text messages, so I have that note for later, and I can just like you know type it back up. Um, later on with more detail and that kind of stuff. So those, those have been a lifesaver. Um, um, so how, um, there, we had an episode a while back, uh, with Lauren Sefchik and she kind of took, um, took us through like her, um, 
like planning and her like building the skeleton of her story type um how, do you plan your your books out or are you just a complete and total no, answer no, it is, okay it's basically completely fly by the speed of my pants um while writing the first eight books i ended up with an overarching storyline and basically knew where it was going to end up where it was going to end um so I made sure to go back and seed those details into books one, two, and I think three had already been written before I knew how the first eight books were going to go. Um, so I went back and seeded those details in and then finished writing that section of the series. Um, so I don't really plan anything. It just kind of pops up and... I just let the story kind of meander where it's going to go until it reaches the point I'm aiming for. And and that seems to be working. So. <laughs> okay. Um, so walk us through, since you're a complete and total pantser, walk us yeah. through your editing process. Because, I mean, you get like your, do you get your first draft completely done before you go back and reread through it? Or do you get like a certain you know, number of pages and then you can go back. How does your editing process go? So editing, I do have a habit of um, basically committing the cardinal sin of editing as I go. <laughs> and that's partially because what will happen is I'll be going through, you know, I'll write to a certain point and then I'll read back through what I've written just because it helps kind of keep it fresh in my head where the story is going, where it's been. Um, and when that happens, I end up making notes and adding things in um, as I'm going. So it, does, it doesn't happen every time, but it, you know, it happens often enough. <laughs> um, okay. So, so, yeah. for, so for other pantsers, what do you have any... Um, anything that you do that might be helpful to other people who don't really plan their stories? You know, I, other than finding what writing process works for you, you know, what helps you get the words down, if that's writing sprints or having a set time that you sit down and do writing, or if you have a word count goal for that day, something that will help you bring your focus in on it so that way you can you know do it so you know for me obviously writing sprints is where it needs to be other than when i get up in the morning and sit down and start writing first thing that's basically the first sprint because i know i'm not sitting there at the computer writing for that hour and a hour and a half straight it's you know write 15 minutes here drink some coffee take a sort of mental break keep going um so okay. you know so um I uh play pool um I haven't in a while um but I was in a league for a while and mm -hmm. my um and I had a guy who was um coaching me for a, a special tournament that I had gotten into and one thing that he had brought up was to have a uh, what he called a pre-shot routine. Something that you do before making any shot on the pool table. 
Um, and it's something that, you know, if you make a ball and you get to shoot the next ball, you, you perform that same pre-shot routine um, to the point that it becomes a sort of habit and a sort of trigger to your brain telling you, okay, this is what you're, you're focusing on. Do uh -huh. you have anything like that for writing? Do you have any, any sort of like pre-writing routine that just kind of gets you in that mindset? I, I would say it's basically when I get up, I get up, I get my cup of coffee, I sit down, I tell the um, Alexa, light up, no, um, <laughs> help her to, you know, to go ahead and start whatever station it is I want to listen to that morning. And just that's basically the routine. That's, I think that's basically how I trigger my mind to go, okay, it's time to sit down and write. And that focus tends to stick throughout the day because it helps keep it kind of um, in that mindset. For um, me. yeah, for, for me, it's sitting down at my desk, sitting in my office chair, facing my desk. Um, that's, you know, my, um, I, you know, I've worked in an office for a long time and, you know, you have, you know, that you sit down in your office chair at your desk at work. That's like your brain's trigger that, okay, it's time. This is work time. And mm -hmm. so, you know, for me, it's sitting in my office chair facing my desk and to the point that if I'm sitting in my office chair, I will actually start working without thinking about it or, mm -hmm. you know, and so having, you know, I think for, for a lot of writers having that sort of pre pre-shot routine as it were, um, just to kind of tell your brain, this is what I want you to focus on right now. Um, do you think that having that sort of routine and having that sort of habit helps with writer's block? Do you get writer's block very often? Uh, yeah, I will. I will get stuck and have writer's block. And the best thing that I can do is to change locations and go do something else for a bit until it kind of shakes loose. So what will happen is I'll stop the music in this room. I'll if I need it, I'll put music on in another room and I'll go do chores, either laundry, dishes, trying to straighten up around the house. Um, just things to kind of interrupt that, that block, essentially, to kind of help break it up. Because I've instead of sitting there trying to basically force my way through it, I let my brain relax and take a break and kind of move its focus to something else. Um, and that usually helps me move past it. Okay. Um, so. yeah, you know, I, um, I think that that is, um, really fantastic. I, I listen to, um, a bunch of various uh, business podcasts and, you know, a lot of them will say, you know, for ultimate focus, you know, set your timer for like 20 minutes, set your timer for like 30 minutes work straight through focus on you know what you're doing and then give your break give your you know brain a break for you know five or ten minutes um so i think that um i think that that's you know just giving your your brain just that little bit of a break um by stepping out of the room and then when you step back into the room it's like your brain is like oh okay it's time to write again um and then you can just kind of work your way through um that block as it were. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So, 
Um, is there anything? Actually, no, I don't want to ask that because that would be spoilers. Let's not do that. Um, what? I will ask this though. What is your favorite part about writing a character like Meg? Um, I think part of it is that she'll say things out loud that a lot of us kind of won't say. You know, we we tend to have that sarcastic response moment where we kind of fight it back instead of releasing it. Um, or we think of that perfect response later on and um, don't get to say it in the moment that it happens. And Meg does not have those moments. She's straight up going to say it to your face in the moment that it happens. And, and that's fun that she doesn't really hold back on her opinions. Do you think that um, her lack of filter, as it were, um, <laughs> do you think that it does affect or will affect her um, relationship with Greg? And Greg is not a spoiler, everybody. Just so you know. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> it's not a spoiler. Um, I mean, the, the, it doesn't negatively affect their relationship. I mean, obviously, they get into arguments over certain things. Um, but... Because he's basically Captain America. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's, <laughs> he's, he's just, he is the quintessential good guy. And he, yeah, he, he has a very, you know, very similar to Captain America. He has a very strong sense of this is right, this is wrong. There's not a lot of morally gray to him. So, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I can... I can totally see him. Um, I I would honestly love to see a Fear and Fury uh, movie with Jen Padalecki and Chris Evans um, as Meg, Meg and Greg. Um, Jen Padalecki, um, I don't know if um, a lot of people remember her. She and um, her husband, Jared Padalecki, actually met when she was recording an episode of Supernatural. And she played a demon named, interestingly enough, Meg. Um, go figure. But she, you know, when I imagine Meg in, uh, in my head, that's just kind of who I see. It's just this, you know, she is not um, threatening really at all. She's not um, overtly powerful really in any way um and Jen Padalecki is she's very small um she is I think she's shorter than I am and I'm 5'5 five five. so you know she is just she's a very small person but I can see her having just this you know big personality like Meg has yeah um, yeah so Meg, Meg is not super intimidating looking um but she, she definitely has a personality uh, to make up for that. <laughs> and and she's, you know, without going into too much detail, um, she does have some abilities that um, make up for her lack of intimidation. So yeah. um, I, I'm really, I'm not going to get too far into that. Um, 
because I'm afraid I will spoil stuff because uh, I've read book one too. Um, but, you know, y'all, you just really need to go read the books. You, you just really do. Um, and you need to go listen to us Golden Girls gush about it. Um, I believe it was the April. Yeah, April? it was the April. I think it was the April book because May was Keepers and Destinies and March was not right now. So, yeah, um, the April, yeah. the April Golden Girls book. Um, and all of us loved it. So you'll, you're not going to hear a, like a single negative word from all four of us, um, about the book. So, um, and as always, our golden girls chats are spoiler free. So you won't have to worry about us giving too much away. Um, but you need to just go read the book. Um, cause it's super fun. Um, so when you joined, um, Actually, I'm going to say when. Um, what is your favorite part about being a member of the writing community? Oh, um, the, the writing community has been, like, super, super awesome. They have tons of great advice and great info and resources, um, especially, that, especially things that help indie authors. Um, in terms of knowing what to look out for with Vanity Presses, as well as where to go to get cover art, editing services, proofreading services, all that kind of stuff um, that can help make our books the best that they can be, uh, especially with the kind of budgets that we have to work with. Yes. Um, and overall, they've just been incredibly supportive, and I don't think my book would have any of the success that it has right now without them. So... Okay. Um, so what there, there has been, and I know you've probably heard about it. Um, the, this whole thing about people buying Kindle books, reading them and then returning them. Mm-hmm. What, what is your opinion on that? I know it's not a good opinion, but we're going <laughs> to no. talk about it because it's kind of big news right now. And, um, yeah, it's, I, I think a decent part of it is, is probably people who don't understand how this return process works because they look at it and they see Amazon, this huge global conglomerate with Jeff Bezos, who has billions of dollars, and they think, I'm not hurting anyone. But that's the thing, is they are hurting the author yeah. because authors have reported that they've lost money. Yeah on people returning these books. Um, and I think that, um, and maybe it's naive, but I think the majority of people are good people. And if they realize that that's what they're doing, that they're not just getting their money back, um, they're actually basically forcing somebody else to pay for them to read that book in the first place. Uh, I don't think they would be doing it. Right. Yeah, yeah, I I told I told my husband because um, somebody um, I think it was earlier this morning um, I was on Twitter and somebody um, had posted again that they were losing money because somebody had done this and I um, did not tag Amazon I did not use their at but I said something about Amazon you need to like knock it off or you know something like that. And, or no, it was, um, my Kindle app on my Android tablet 
won't let me purchase books anymore. Mm-hmm. And which apparently is this thing between Amazon and, and Google Play. Totally weird. Yeah. Well, so I mentioned Amazon in this tweet, didn't tag them or anything, get a reply from somebody you know, saying, Hey, if you need assistance, you know, we're here to help, blah, blah, blah. And I literally replied and I'm like, yeah, okay. So when I'm having trouble giving you guys money, you are all about helping me out. But when I literally tag Amazon books twice and hear nothing (laughs) back, and, and I get crickets. I was like, yeah, that's real great of you guys. And I'm just like, I wasn't yeah. being real nice about it. Because I'm like, you know, authors are losing money about this. It is just, it's not, it's not okay. And, yeah. and it's, it's going to affect the author's ability to put out any books at all. If people are basically reading and returning them to the author's uh, boss, essentially. Yeah. Like, and and yeah. I and I think you're right. I think a lot of it is people just aren't aware. Um somebody else had mentioned um that it was um it had something to do with people going on TikTok and saying, "Hey, uh-huh. there's this neat hack with Amazon." And, you know, again, without realizing that it's, you know, you're not hurting Amazon. You know, Amazon has billions of dollars. Jeff Bezos has billions of dollars. You're not hurting Amazon. You're hurting that person that has sat behind their desk for years, for months, weeks, years, um, you know, hours a day um, working on this story. And you're essentially stealing from them. And, yeah. you know, with, you know, and I I don't necessarily see it as the person on the other end, I don't see it really as them stealing. I see it as Amazon needs to change their policy regarding yeah. returns. Um, because, you know, Amazon's policy states, yeah, you can return within seven days. For most people, seven days is plenty of time to read a book. Yes, exactly. And if Amazon can, they track the KEMP page rates. So they can tell if a digital download has been read in full or not they have to be able to tell something like that yeah um so i would think if they're going to allow returns of books that have been read it should be cut off at a certain percentage as in somebody only got through so much of this book before they gave up um but the thing is if somebody is going to look at a book and see if it's for them there's the blurb most of us have the first 10 pages up on that read through sample yeah you know, you could still go through and read some of it to decide if it's for you or not. Well, and, you know, I I have said this multiple times. I, I can't even tell you how many times I've said this. I have books in my Kindle that I read the blurb, thought the, the blurb sounded good, um, bought the book, read the book, hated the book, and still won't return it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you go into, say, Barnes & Noble, if you go into Borders, if you go into Books A Million, and you buy a book, even if you bring it back the next day, like we're telling, we're saying within 24 hours, they're not going to take that book back because they're going to assume that you read it and they are not a library. And for Amazon to just basically spit in the face of that 
Um, yeah. For, you know, it just, it, and I, I can't even imagine how the authors themselves feel. It pisses me off yeah. <laughs> thoroughly. Um, because, you know, I'm like, I have all of these books on my Kindle that I refuse to take back because I bought the book and I read the yeah. book. I consumed yeah. the, you know, whatever it was, you know, it would be, you know, going to a restaurant, a, a comparable situation would be going to a restaurant, eating 75% of your food and then telling the waiter, this was gross. And I'm, I want my money back. Yeah. The restaurant's going to look at you and go, um, no, you just ate seventy-five percent of it. You would have yeah. known on the first bite. Yeah. You know, yeah. like the like the time I, mean, I got. I, cer- I certainly have books in my Kindle where I I bought it, um, off of Amazon. Started reading it. There are a few that I DNF'd within the first couple pages because it just wasn't grabbing me. They're still in there. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Give them back just because I quit within the first five pages. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not the author's fault. Uh-uh. Um, no. You know, I I just finished a just finished a book that I thoroughly enjoyed, um, but it took me three tries to read this book, and I and that is it was not the book's fault. At, at all whatsoever the book every time I would start reading it I'd be like this is so good I need to make it through this time and then I my mood would change and I'd be like I just I can't right now so I would yeah. set it to the side and I would come back later it took me three tries to finish this book and you know but it said in my kindle you know I I didn't give up on it I I didn't try to return it uh, it was a net galley book I wouldn't have been able to anyway but <laughs> um <laughs> You know, but even if I had bought it. Yeah, you wouldn't have returned it even if you had bought it and couldn't get into it. Yeah. Um, Because you're not going to do that. And if Amazon is going to keep any sort of return policy where they let you return ebooks, they need to crack down on it. It needs to be a shorter time period and it needs to say it's got to be within this much percentage. Yeah. I mean, I prefer that they not allow it at all because obviously this negatively affects authors to have that returned. Well, um, I mean, and other, it, it I, I think mean, char- maybe, maybe, maybe they should be charging the reader a restocking fee. Like, um, like you end up having to pay for returning digital downloads for movies and stuff like that, yeah. essentially, because it used to be that way for video games, you bought a video game and you took it home and you didn't like it and you returned it. They would charge you a restocking fee to return it. You wouldn't get all your money back. Right. Well, so and they need to do something like that. Well, and, you know, it's Amazon, as far give as I know. Author, give it to the author instead of keeping it for Amazon because the author is the one who has to, you know. Yeah, I mean, if the if the author if the author is going to pay for it, the author needs to have, like, access to that download that they can maybe use for a giveaway, or, yeah. you know, sell to somebody else or, you know, put on their website as, you know, hey, secondhand book, you know, whatever, um, you know, for five bucks, you know, here you go. Um, you know, something. I just think that it's either I just think that the the policy and the way that they have it done is it's incorrect and it's inappropriate mm-hmm. and 
um, you know, there is a, um, I don't know if you saw, um, I know you were busy, um, for much of the afternoon, but I don't know if you saw the, um, the link to the petition, um, that, uh, yeah, I, I have seen, um, I think it's been going around for the past month, the petition to get Amazon to change their, um, yeah. the return policy and I, I have signed it. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I signed it today. I, I sent it out, um, to my followers on Twitter because, you know, I'm like, we, you know, they've had petitions in the past. Um, somebody, mm -hmm. I think Katie, um, Roberson, it was said that, you know, they've had petitions in the past where it was like 3000 people, 4,000 people. I really don't think until we can get to at least 75 to a hundred thousand people, I don't think yeah. Amazon's going to pay any attention. Three or 4,000 people, they're like, yeah, if you guys stop, we still have 25,000 other people over here that are selling with us, so you're worth fine. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's going to take a significant number of Amazon's authors um, to, to even really get them to listen, much less get them mm -hmm. to change their minds. So um, I, I do hope anybody who's listening – um, please go to change.org and sign that petition. Um, I have a lot of authors that listen, and I know that you guys are just as upset about this, but probably more than I am. Because, um, yeah, I mean, I have I have a book on my Kindle. Um, I was thinking about that earlier that I despised, absolutely hated it. I thought the main character was one-dimensional. I, there was no evolution to the story arc. It was, it was terrible. It, it honestly was, but I had gotten it for free, um, mm -hmm. through like BookBub, I think several years ago. And if I had taken it back, I would have gotten like the price back, even though I didn't pay anything for it. As, as far as I know that I would have, they wouldn't have said, Oh, you didn't pay anything for this book. So, you know, we're not going to give you anything back. I, you know, so no, you should not be getting extra. You no. shouldn't be getting product just in the first place. Just don't return books. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's it's really as simple as that. If you don't have the money to actually keep the book, go to your library. Overdrive, Libby, all of these apps um, have books. Kindle Unlimited, it's 10 bucks a month. Um, prime yeah. reading, if you have prime, prime reading has a bunch of books available as well. So, you know, you don't have to steal from the authors in order to get, um, um most, most, most authors have stated if their reader had contacted them and said, I can't afford to buy your book, they would have happily sent them a free copy Yeah, with, you know, just because most of the authors that I've met in the writing community are that kind of generous person. They yeah. just want people to read and enjoy their stories. But the problem is, is they still need to be able to um, make some sort of uh, income right. from the writing in the first place, if nothing else to at least pay to continue to put these books out, even if it's not supporting any other aspect of their lifestyle. Right. Um, yeah, I, I have books in my Kindle that... I may, I may never get to them. Um, I have almost 600 books on my Kindle at the moment. It's going to take me a while because I can't turn down books. So that number keeps growing. Um, so I have books on my Kindle that I may never get to, but I bought them. 
but I bought them. I wanted to support the author in that particular way. Um, you know, and that's a lot of the reason why, um, authors have emailed me and have requested to send me a free copy of their book, um, for a review. And I'm like, I don't do that. Um, you know, send me a link to your blurb. And if I think that it's interesting and I'm able to, I will purchase to help support you in that way. Um, even if I can't get to it and read it and review it for like a year. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so I think that it's important um, to be able to support the authors in the, in the way that you can, um, you know, even if it's contacting the author and saying, you know, Hey, your book sounds really awesome. I'd love to write a review for it, but I can't afford to buy the book. Again, like you said, authors, they're going to be cool with that. They're like, Oh, you want to write a review? Okay, here you go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Please. I love reviews. Um, you know, because help, reviews on Amazon help increase their visibility and help increase the likelihood that other people are going to see their books. So, yeah. you know, we, there are tons of ways, free ways um, to support the authors and the indie authors that um, have worked hard on their stories. Um, so instead of buying their books and returning them, I, I just, yeah. I, I don't I, know I, that I'm ever going to be able to get past I, that. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that, um, they get through to Amazon and Amazon shuts down, um, allowing the return of eBooks at all. I mean, it's entirely possible with this thing being so big on TikTok that Amazon will act just because they will end up losing some money at minimum because they're losing out on any commission they would have gotten off future sales. Yeah. You know, um, because if they have authors who have to leave Amazon to continue making sales, if people continue to return eBooks, eventually it will hit Amazon's pocket. Yeah. Um, and we just have to, to hope that they would preferably crack down on that before that point. Yeah. Bef yeah. Before, but you know, cause it's, I mean, for a lot of authors, Amazon is really, the, I mean, Barnes and Noble has the, has the free ebook, but they don't have the, the Kindle unlimited, um, yeah. you know, option. So I think that, you know, for a lot of authors, Amazon is, is their biggest yeah. chance of um, making sales. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing is because Amazon basically has the largest ebook share essentially, um, um distributor. So uh, it, it makes it hard to go wide uh, to see those kind of sales, yeah. um, especially because uh, Kindle Unlimited really, I, I think it's helped boost visibility for my book um, at a minimum. I wish so. I could, I wish I could just start a website kind of like Etsy where people can just put their, go and put their books um. on there. Um, and, you know, they, that way they would have their, they would be able to put in their own, um, return policies, you know, like, uh -huh. you know, authors, you know, some on Etsy, um, every creator in every store, you know, they have their own set of return policies because they're basically their own business. Um, so I think that, um, I mean, even something like that for Amazon, you know, let the, the individual authors, um, set their own return policies. You know, yeah, you can return a paperback book within, you know, a day of 
it being delivered if there's something wrong with it. Or, um, you know, you can return an ebook within like an hour and a half if the formatting's off, you know, something like that. Um, you yeah. know, just allow the, allow the authors to maybe set their own return policies rather than just having blanket ones for everybody. Um, yeah, I, I think even that would be a, a reasonable compromise to, to put the, um, whether returns are possible in the hands of the authors themselves. Right. Um, especially because doing that kind of thing um, could also help crack down on the part where Amazon is incredibly unfair to authors, where if somebody complains about something wrong with the formatting or the story just because they think it's wrong, even though it's done correctly. Um, because I've seen there have been some cases where people have complained to Amazon that this book had incorrect information or something like that, and Amazon has taken it down and told the author they've had to fix it, but it was something um, like a wrestling move where the author had used the correct term for that wrestling move, and the reader just didn't know what it was. And so they complained to Amazon that it was incorrect. Oh, it's frustrating. Um, okay, so we we have we've been up on our soapbox for a while, um, and our hour is almost up. Um, so where can people find you online? Where can they come see you and come hang out? Okay, so I am on Twitter, Instagram occasionally, TikTok, um, all under the handle uh, at Bill and Lean. Um, and then I have a Facebook page, Adventures of a Villain Leaning Humanoid. Um, so you can find me on any of those social media apps. Um, so, yeah. Do you have, Mostly do you have a website? I do not. Okay. Um, I probably so yeah so on on twitter uh, most of the time i i can vouch for that i see you on twitter quite a bit so um i think m most um most indie authors um you know we just ha we have our little corner of the internet um and you know obviously i'm not an author um but i still come in and hang out with you guys because it's you know uh, one of the best parts of my day is when I get to come say hi to everybody. Um, it's like walking into a school cafeteria and everybody's like, oh, over here. Uh, <laughs> and then you can't choose which table to sit at. Um, so it has been an absolute blast having you on the show today. Um, got to gush about your book. Um, we got to get yep. up on our soapbox um, <laughs> just, for, just for a little while. Um but yeah, it, it has been an absolute blast having you on the show today. Thank you so much for coming and chatting yeah. with me. Thank you so much for having me. I will see you on Twitter. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye.